Hey everyone, Pastor Kevin, listen, today I have a word from the Lord that I believe is going to be a blessing to your life, strengthen you in your journey. All of us need a shot in the arm in our faith, and I believe that word today is going to do that. Take the next few minutes, spread the word, tell your friends and family this message is coming on. I'm believing it's going to change our lives, and I want you to hang on till the end. I'm going to come back and pray for your needs, and I believe God's going to touch today. Let's jump into this word and be blessed. I'll be back soon. Chapter 24, I want to go right to the Word today, and I want to preach from this very familiar passage of Scripture. Now behold, verse 13 says, Now behold, two of them were traveling the same day to a village called Emmaus, which was seven miles from Jerusalem, and they talked together of all the things which had happened. So it was while they conversed and reasoned that Jesus drew near and went with them. Their eyes were restrained, and they could not see him. They did not know him. And he said to them, what kind of conversation? Look at what he asked these two disciples. What kind of conversation is this that you have with one another as you walk and are sad? Look at someone say they were sad. Then, those, then the one of those whose name was Cleopas answered and said to him, Are you a stranger? Are you only a stranger in Jerusalem? And have you not known the things which happened there in these days? And he said to them, what things? So they said to him, the things. This is the fourth time the word things is used. The things concerning Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet mighty indeed and word before God and all the people, and how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. Indeed, beside all of this today, today is the third day since these things happened. Yes, and certain women of our company who arrived at the tomb early astonished us when they did not find his body. They came saying that he had seen a vision, they had seen a vision of angels who said that Jesus was alive. And certain of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said but him they did not see. Then he said to them, O foolish ones, slow of heart to believe in all. That's a very important word in this scripture, all, A-L-L, three-letter word, but how many know we don't need to believe some of the word, we need to believe all. Come on, to tell your neighbor right now, believe it all, believe it all, believe it all, believe it all. Believe in all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not the Christ should have suffered these things and then enter into his glory. Ought not Christ suffer these things and then enter into his glory? And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded to them and all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Then they drew near to the village where they were going, and he indicated that he would have gone farther. But they constrained him, saying, Abide with us, for it is toward evening, and the day is far spent. And he went in to stay with them. And now it came to pass, as he sat at the table with them, that he took bread and blessed it and broke it and gave it to them. Then, someone say then, then their eyes were opened and they knew him, and he vanished from their sight. And they said one to another, did not our heart burn within us while he talked with us on the road and while he opened the scriptures to us. And just for a moment this morning, I want to preach from this very thought. Open our eyes. How many want to see Jesus afresh 
from this day for the rest of your life. How many believe God's Spirit can open your eyes? Talk to me, family. How many believe God's Spirit can open your eyes and you can see Jesus afresh and anew? Oh, God, help us today in Jesus' name. And the family said amen. You can be seated in the presence of the Lord. If there is one thing I am certain of that we are contending for in our day, it is for spiritual vision. I believe spiritual vision is perhaps the most important thing that we possess as it regards us staying in a place of joy, keeping our hope high in the midst of challenges and situations. I don't know if it feels this way to you sometimes, but... Uh, there is this thing I have to continually work through in my heart to keep my spiritual vision because it appears to me that Satan would attack our ability to see the very God-sized, God-saturated future that the Lord intends for all of us to walk in as his people. You have a future. It's important, like the psalmist said, that you keep believing you will see the goodness of God in the land of the living. I don't ever want you to get into the place where you live looking in your rearview mirror more than you look in your windshield. Because where you've come from may have been wonderful, but where you're going is so much better than where you've been. The best is still yet to come. I'm standing here on a morning we are celebrating 20 years and I'm seeing the miracles and I've seen the mess and I've seen the faithfulness of God so many times and I, I sometimes find myself in a position where I wonder, can, can it really get better? I'm just being honest and transparent with you today, but I want to tell you, God always saves the best for last. Even when God throws a party and a wedding in Cana of Galilee and everybody thinks the best has already been served, God will let it run out so that when he restores it, it comes back better at the end than it was at the beginning. I wish I had some help in the church today. God really does have the ability to continually blow your mind as you walk with him. And yet sometimes we find ourselves fighting for faith to believe in this God-sized, God-saturated tomorrow that the Lord has in store for us. You've got to keep believing that God is up to good things. And you've got to keep looking for and seeing God in your future. Satan wants to rob you of spiritual vision. He wants you to lose hope. He wants you to, to kind of throw your hands up and twiddle your thumbs and think that, you know, somehow this is going to fade and fizzle. But I, I want to rebuke the devil this morning and tell you that the fire of God does not go out. If you just keep tending it, the fire will blaze hotter in your heart and you really can know him more and more. The old saints that I was raised with used to say, I want to know more and more about my Jesus. I want to know more about my Lord. How many know that you've seen him and you know him and you've experienced his goodness, but how many believe he's the God that is still to come in your future? Come on, even in the book of Revelation, as they are circling the throne, the angels say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. Even in heaven, he is the God that is to come. You never, oh, come on here. You never find the end of him, even in eternity. Because as much as they've circled the throne and sang holy, and they've declared his holiness, and they've seen his majesty, even with all that they've done to give him glory, they haven't stopped 
giving him glory because every revolution around the throne produces a fresh revelation that he is more and more and more than we ever thought he was. So whatever you think you've seen, I just want to tell you that the best is still yet to come. And when that spirit of religion would sneak up on your shoulder, even in your twilight years, and tell you, you know, you're getting older and this thing kind of fizzles out. Come on, the hair may go gray. Uh-huh. My body may feel a bit, um, a little weaker than it used to, but the fire keeps burning and the power is still there. Come on, somebody, because there is a future. And as long as we're living on this planet, we're going to continue for the vision God has for us. We're going to keep believing. The psalmist said, I would have fainted had I not believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Come on, touch your neighbor, tell your neighbor, we're going to see the goodness of God. And yet I am also, yet I'm also aware of this text today that these two disciples on what is arguably the most exciting day in the history of humanity. This is, the Bible says, the same day pointing back to uh, the antecedent of that is the, the same day being the day of resurrection. This is Sunday morning. Jesus is alive. Don't miss this. This is, this is the Sunday where we should be going crazy and people should be throwing things. And, I, I, you know, we would, we would have praise breaks and praise parties. Jesus is alive. The tomb is empty. Come on. We would be celebrating. If you wouldn't be celebrating, there's something wrong with you. Even Presbyterians and, and, and the Pentecostals and the Baptists, it doesn't matter where you come from. If Jesus is alive, let us all break out in praise. It ought to be the greatest day of humanity's existence. Sin has been vanquished. The tomb has been emptied. Rome couldn't kill him and death couldn't hold him. He is alive. We ought to have some joy on this day. But there is no joy here. The text is rather gloomy. They are actually walking together on the road to Emmaus, and the Bible says that as they discuss the happenings of this day, they are sad. And I thought to myself, why would they be sad on the happiest day of the year? Why would they be sad on the happiest day of humanity's existence? How could they be sad? And for that, you have to go to the text. The text actually reveals why they are sad. It is the same reason some people in this building and those watching from the Athens family this morning, it is the same reason some people in this building are sad. It's because if you look at what they were thinking about, they were not thinking about the whole story. Follow me. The Bible says that when Jesus drew near, Oh, I, I don't have time to go here like I want to, but let me just say it like this. It's important that you recognize there were two of them. There wasn't one of them because you can have prayer time with, with God all by yourself. You can have Bible time with God all by yourself. But if you want to in, in, uh, experience the dynamic of corporate worship, there has to be two or three. I'm not going to get no help on this right now, but I want to fix something that has tried to emerge in the church since COVID, and that is, you know, I don't have to come to church anymore. I don't feel like coming to church anymore. I have discovered that technology churches, I am all thankful for technology church, and by, by all means, if physically you cannot get here, and if you have restrictions and limitations, then we are thankful to be a part of the 
church family through the blessing of technology. But this nonsense of waking up and shrugging our shoulders on Sunday and acting like we have options and, you know, we can just kind of decide we don't need to go to church anymore. I want to fix that and tell you where two or three are gathered in his name. There, there's something that happens when I get together with you that I don't get to experience when I have a prayer time all by myself. I'm thankful for my personal prayer time, but I'm thankful for the corporate breakthrough that happens. Oh, come on in here. There's been some times I've walked through the door in the, mental of, in the middle of a winter season, and you were just going through your spring season, and it was the blessing of God on your life that broke me through and brought me out of my winter. We need one another. Why don't you just touch somebody in your neighborhood there and tell your neighbor, I need you. I need to come to church. I, I need to get up and invest the time of putting my wig on and my weave in. Come on here. And my extensions on. I need to brush my teeth and put a mint in my mouth. And I need to get to the house of the Lord because when we begin to lift up hands and praise, blessing begins to come down. And I don't know who I came to talk to today, but I can't wait for Sundays. I can't wait to wake up at 5 o'clock on Sunday morning and get to the church because when I walk through, these doors and you walk through these doors the king of glory comes walking through the door and something happens in our midst but I digress I did not come to preach on that but I did come to fix that we need each other you and I need to be a part of church together we need to come and worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness can I have a witness in the house today so there were two of them they were coming and they were on their way to Emmaus. The other thing that I saw is that they are going from Jerusalem to Emmaus. Jerusalem. I don't have time to go here either, but let me just suffice it to say Jerusalem is the epicenter of all religious activity. And the further they get away from Jerusalem, the closer they get to the revelation they're looking for. Sometimes you got to leave the land of religion to get into the land of revelation. Uh, I'm not going to get no help on this. But I'm going to tell you right now, some people like cozying up in the land of Jerusalem where all of the religion is going on. And God said, I'm glad you're there and I'm in all places. But the further I get you away from the religion, the closer I'm going to get you to your revelation. I've made up my mind. I'm thankful for Jerusalem. Wonderful things happen in Jerusalem. But the further I get from religion, the better off I am and the closer I get to fresh revelation. So they're coming to a city called Emmaus, and as they journey, the Bible says that they are sad while they talk. Why are they sad? I'm so glad you asked. It is in the text. Jesus joins them, and when he joins them, he says to them, what are you talking about, and why are you so sad? Again, this is Resurrection Sunday. We should be going crazy, but we are sad. Why are we sad? He asked them, why are they sad? And Cleopas said, this is verse 18, are you only a stranger? This is hysterical. They're looking at Jesus. They don't know it's him. And they said, are you a stranger? And he is in some places. Yeah, I'm not going to go there either. It's pastor appreciation. I'm going to be good. Uh, are you a stranger? And... And have you not heard the things which have happened? The things which have happened. Now listen to what they say to him. He asked them, what things? 
And they say to him, here are the things that they have been talking about that have brought them into this conversation that has produced their sadness. So he says, what things? What are you talking about? You're having a conversation and you're sad. Why are you sad? And what things are you talking about? And he, they say this to Jesus. Uh, that there was a man named Jesus of Nazareth who was a prophet, mighty indeed, and word before God and all the people. And the chief priests and the rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and crucified him. And we were hoping he's the one who would redeem Israel. That's what they said. That's what they were talking about. That was the record playing in their mind as they were taking a seven-mile journey to Emmaus. They're sad, they're dejected, they're heavy, they're disappointed, they're depressed, they're in chaos, they're in confusion, they're wondering what is going on. And Jesus says, why are you sad? What are you talking about? And they say, Jesus of Nazareth was a prophet of God, mighty indeed, and, and favor before God and men. And the chief priests and the scribes condemned him to death and crucified him. And we were hoping he is the one who would redeem Israel. And there's something in that narrative that is missing that reveals why they are sad. They're not at all talking about the empty tomb. Y'all missing what I'm saying. This is going to go over like a lead balloon on Sunday. <laughs> Their conversation is one of death. He said, why are you sad? What are you talking about? Jesus died. The rulers killed him. The chief priests killed him. They crucified him. And we had our hopes up that this was the man, and it wasn't the man, and now we're sad. There's something altogether missing in what they're talking about. It is the resurrection. No wonder they are sad. They forgot the most important part of the story, that on Friday he died, but on oh, I'm glad Sunday is coming. I just need to put uh, something in the atmosphere right here. You can't live in Friday's chapter all of your life. Friday is dark. Friday is doom and gloom. Friday is full of death and blood and treachery. Friday is disgusting. Friday, God hid his face from his son, and the sky grew dark, and the earth shook violently, and hell threw a party. But I want to tell you, you can't stay stuck in Friday because Sunday is coming, and these two disciples don't have any joy because the only thing they're talking about is his suffering and I want to tell the church that we will all go through some suffering but weeping doesn't endure for a lifetime weeping only endures for a night joy really does come oh I, I better I better behave myself, but I feel like somebody needs to turn a page. You need to jump out of that Friday chapter of your life, and you need to roll on into Sunday, because if you suffer with him, you will also reign with him, and God will always make the enemy put back more than he stole in the first place. Why don't you shake hands with your neighbor and tell your neighbor it's going to get better? I don't know what you've been going through, but weeping don't always last. God's going to get the fun.
know that some people don't know how to praise him for this, but I feel like there's somebody in this room right now who wants to thank God that we're stepping out of a Friday season and we're coming into a resurrection. We're coming into a breakthrough. We're coming into a miracle. Take a 10-second praise break and give God glory. Oh, hey, hey, that means if you've been sad, find a smile. If you've been heavy, find a hallelujah. If you've been going through a storm, it's going to get better. Somebody say, yeah. So. They are talking about all of the death, but they forgot what the prophet said about his resurrection. And you got to see this. He says to them, uh, they said, what thing? He said, what things? And they tell him this, and we were hoping he would be the one who would redeem Israel. And they did not understand that the thing that was making them sad is actually what empowered Jesus to redeem Israel. They were sad because he died, but he had to die if he was going to redeem Israel. And sometimes we curse the thing God is getting ready to use to bring redemption into our life. Y'all are not hearing what I'm saying. The enemy wants us to see the tomb as a dead end. But the tomb can become a womb if you know that the promises of God, I feel like preaching on Sunday, are yes and amen. You may be in a tomb on Saturday. You may feel like life is buried, but it was not a long-term tomb. It was an Airbnb. He only needed a VRBO for the week. Weekend. It was a borrowed tomb that Joseph let him borrow because he wasn't going to stay there for long. And there are some people in this room today watching me today. You are sad. And you're, I'm not talking about mental illness because that's a real thing. And I have sympathy for those who are walking through true mental illness. And we believe that God is a God of breakthrough and he can heal mental illness. Come on, the anointing Jesus said is upon me to bring freedom to the captive. Set at liberty them that are bruised. If you've been in depression for 20 years, I want to stand upon this stage today and prophesy to you, the next 20 will not be filled with depression. You're going to laugh twice as long as you cried. You're going, I said you're going to laugh twice as much as you cried. I believe, I know mental illness is real. But what I'm talking about is not mental illness. I'm talking about sadness. And sadness is a result of us not embracing truth. And it's not that they didn't know some truth. Because they told Jesus some things that were true. He suffered. He was crucified. They condemned him. All those things are true. But it wasn't all the truth. 
And some of us are sad because we believe part of the truth, but don't believe all the truth. If I believe the part about suffering, I also got to believe the part about joy. I can't find no help in the church today. Some of us have no problem with hanging around, nothing to do but frown. Rainy days and Mondays always get me down. We have people in the church who are addicted to sadness. We are addicted to depression. We get attention when we always, oh, what's wrong? Oh, God, how much time do you have? At some point, you got to jump out of Friday. At some point, you got to jump out of that mess. At some point, you got to quit craving the attention that your sadness has attracted to you. And you got to say, as for me and my house, the next chapter of my life is going to be filled with joy. The next chapter of my life is going to be filled with peace. I've lost too much sleep and I've cried too many tears. The God I serve is a good God. And I'm going to believe I'm going to see the goodness of the Lord. Take a 10-second praise break if you believe the best is still yet to come. Okay, okay, let me move here. So I am looking at this text and they get to talking to him and he gets to talking to them. They try to teach the Bible study and are only telling half the story. So he joins their Sunday school class and he starts teaching them all the word. From Moses to the prophets, he walks them through. Because, you know, when they were reading the Bible, they didn't have Matthew through Revelation. The only Bible they had, these two men had, the New Testament had not been written yet. The only Bible they had was from Matthew to Mal from Genesis to Malachi. And he takes them, what, can you imagine this? A seven-mile walk with Jesus. I don't know where seven miles is. Y'all got it maybe down the Piggly Wiggly here or some little bakery or something here in Cleveland. I don't know. Maybe it's to the end. Whatever, seven miles from here. Wherever seven miles. Seven mile walk with Jesus. And all he does is open the Bible and tell them from Genesis to Malachi what the prophets had to say. At some point, we got to stop talking. And he has to start talking. Seven miles, and they get to a place, I got to go here, they get to a place in their journey where they reach their destination, and he was about to keep on going. And when they saw that he wasn't going to stay, they constrained him. Do you know what that is, constraint? Have you ever seen, oh. Uh, the best way I can show you is Chris. Pastor Chris, come up on this stage. Hurry, hurry. You're taking too long. Come on, come up here. It's, it's, this is Jesus. And, and they come to the place they're going, and he's going to let them stop, and he keeps going. And they say, oh, wait a minute. That's what constraint is. Constraint is not. Constraint is not. I don't know if I have time for this. No, constraint is I 
can't live without you. You have got to stay with me. Oh, come on here, somebody. Now, we know from the end of this text that while he was talking to them, something happened. I feel like preaching right here. Something happened. They started out sad, but the end of this text says that something started burning on the inside of their heart. Aren't you thankful that it only takes one Bible study to go from sad to set on fire? It all I felt that right there. Why don't you touch your neighbor? Tell him you came sad, but you're leaving set on fire. God is about to touch your heart. This Jesus that I'm talking about is not a cardboard Christianity. This is a living Savior. When the fire of his wonderful presence touches your heart, your heart will be set on fire. And they, I got to go, they constrained him. And they said, stay with us. Do you know what he did? He came in the house. Because he will go where he is welcomed. Have you ever been asked to come somewhere and got there and looked at the, I, I, me and Chris, I preached in places. And he was with me. And uh, we went in to preach, and I said, Chris, did you invite me or did they invite me? Because sometimes they act like they want you to come, but when you get there, they act like you're a stranger. But can I tell you, God will go where he is welcomed and wanted. Oh, y'all better hear what I'm telling you. He'll go in a beautiful sanctuary like this if we'll welcome him. But God will show up on the backside of a sheep field. He'll talk to a bunch of shepherds. He'll talk to people nobody else wants to talk to if they'll just get hungry for Jesus. Somebody in this room, you need your religion fixed. God doesn't show up for the social elite and the financially well-off just for that group. God shows up for the downcast and those who have been forgotten and those who have been marginalized if you feel like nobody else will give you the time of day why don't you open up the front door to your house and tell God if you're looking for a place you can stay in my house I want your glory anybody want his presence in your house they constrained him they constrained him come on in here watch this I'm done with this they constrained him and they hosted him. And he comes in the house that did not belong to him. It belonged to them. But when he got into the room, he actually went into the kitchen. I can imagine this at least. This is the Wallace Unauthorized Translation. He goes into the cupboard, breaks out the bread. They brought him in to host him. And when he found out he was welcome, he flipped the script and began to serve them. That's how we have miracles and that's how people get saved here and that's how you leave with joy when you came in sad because you welcome him in and when he finds out you want him and he gets in here and he starts moving he says I'm thankful that you wanted me but it's me that has the answer it's me I know you wanted me but now that you got me let me feed you and he takes the bread breaks the bread and he 
leads them. He feeds them, and when they eat the bread, I'm through right here, their eyes come open. And he vanished. And I thought, wow, we just getting started. Why would you disappear? I'm going to tell you why. Because he will never position you for a future that doesn't require faith. Had he just stayed there, they wouldn't have needed much faith. But when he vanished, come on, I know I'm in the Bible because he told Thomas, you see me and you believe in me because you saw me, but blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. Can you imagine their eyes coming open and all of a sudden he disappears? Why? Because that one moment stamped their heart for the rest of their life. And even though he was not with them in the flesh, even though he was not manifest in the natural, they had seen him and knew he was alive and they never forgot that moment. And even when, oh yes Lord, even when their mind told them it wasn't real, their faith kept on saying, I know what I saw. I remember what he said. And I'll never, has anybody in here ever had those moments and I feel the Holy Ghost on me right now. Have you ever had those moments where God made himself aware you were aware he was with you and you'll never forget about it and when the devil tries to shake you and the enemy tells you it's not real, you remember the thing God did in your life. Done with this. I feel him, sis. He said, to them he fixed their theology they talked about death and before it's over with sitting in that house he reminded them how the Christ must suffer many things and then enter into glory you don't get glory without the suffering but you don't stop in the suffering when glory is what is next. Yeah. He becomes a paradigm for expectation. If it happened in this way in his life, it happens this way in our life. We go through suffering. We go through challenges. We go through trials of our faith. If you get shaken sometimes, don't feel weird. We all do. Oh, come on, holy people. Don't look at me like y'all ain't been shaken before. It, how many know you go through some stuff and you're like, hold up, hold on, wait a minute. You know, better not sign up for this. He says to them, he reminds them how the Christ must suffer and then enter. Say enter. Enter into glory. And the word enter, I'm going to butcher this, but it's close, is the Greek word isokomei, and it means to go in by coming out. Don't miss this. To go in, it's very clear in the Greek, go look it up. It means to go into something by coming out. And I thought, what does that even mean? To enter into glory. He, he, he went out to come into glory, and it hit Sunday morning, 
when the stone was rolled away, he stepped out of the tomb. And when he came out of the tomb, he came into glory. You're not going to have joy in the tomb, but God's going to bring you out of the tomb to take you. I'm going to my car here, but he's going to bring you out of the tomb to bring you into his glory. And I do believe there will come a time in every one of your lives when the enemy who tried to mess with your mind and tried to shake your faith, he is going to regret the day he ever messed with you and your family. Because if you ever get a revelation that it does not end in the tomb, you will hold on Friday you will hold on Saturday because you know Sunday is on the way. And had they remembered what he said, he said, I will lay my life down. And if I lay my life down, I've got the power to pick it back up again. Why don't you touch your neighbor and say, neighbor, he still has the power. Oh, God, we got to go, but I wish you would get free in your spirit and tell your other neighbor, he still has the power. Power to bring your marriage back together. Power to bring your children off of drugs and crack. Power to give you a job that you keep. Power to get your record expunged. Power to turn your life all the way around. You've been through some suffering, but I came to tell you, glory is on the way. Stand with me, I'm through preaching. Why is he up there hollering? Because the enemy been talking. And I came to tell the devil he is a liar. Komashaya. I said the devil is a liar. And some of us today in this room, Pastor Chris and Pastor Chris are coming in a moment for a time of ministry. Some of us in this room have been through some stu stuff, some suffering, some pain, some challenges, some stuff that tried to shake you. Enemies trying to see how bad it bothered you. But don't get used to that tomb. You're not living there forever. Ooh. Your eyes are about to come open that Jesus is with you. I'm going to help you here. He ain't on the way, He's already there. Come on, tell your neighbors on both sides. He's already there. He's already there. Come on, tell him, tell him, tell him. He's already, uh, oh, Lord, Lord, he's already there. He's already there. He's already there. I've got a feeling everything's going to be all right. Everything's going to be all right. I know this is old, but y'all have to go with me sometimes here. I've got a feeling everything's going to be all right. Be all right. Be all right. Be all right. Give God praise if you know it's going to be all right. Come on here. I said, give him praise. That's an applause. 
but I need somebody whose eyes are coming open to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Somebody give me praise. Thank you, Lord. God, I feel a breakthrough from the back row to the front row, from the left to the right. I feel the goodness of God about to break out in somebody's life. Sadness, somebody ought to just shake it off. Somebody ought to shake off the heaviness and thank God that Jesus is still got all power. Come on and give him one more shot and clap and give him a praise. So I want to pray and Pastor Chris and Pastor Chris are coming, but I just feel this in my heart as I as I just land this right here for somebody. You're not going to end in a tomb. You're coming out of this sorrow. And you're coming into a season of fresh revelation and joy. Reach over and lay your hand on your neighbor's shoulder right now. You don't know who came with eyes heavy. And Can I tell you that I feel like it was God who restrained their eyes from knowing Jesus? And you may say, why? I believe he refused to allow them to see Jesus as a diminished king dying and dead on a cross. He wasn't going to open their eyes until they knew the whole story. Some of you can't see right now because the only part of the chapter you're reading is the one of suffering. God's about to open your eyes to the goodness of God. Jesus rose, and so will you. Pray for your neighbor right now while Pastor Chris and Crystal come. Come on, pray for them. Open your mouth. God, open their eyes. While we open their, our mouth to pray, open their eyes. Hey, family, I believe God is touching hearts right now. The preached word of God causes the lost to come to Christ. I believe someone's watching. Maybe you feel a million miles away from God. Maybe you've been in church. Maybe you've never been in church. Listen, I want to tell you that it doesn't matter where you are in life right now. If you want Christ to save you, no matter what you've done and no matter how long you've been doing it, if you'll turn your heart to him, he'll save you right now. I want to lead you in a prayer. Say, dear Lord, I confess that I'm a sinner. And Jesus, I'm asking you to save me from my sin. Save me from myself. Lord, come in and be the king of my life. I give you my past, my present, and my future. And I'm asking you, Lord Jesus, to rescue me today. In Jesus' name, by faith, I believe that I'm saved and a child of God. Amen. Listen, friend, I know that's a simple prayer, but I believe with all of my heart, salvation is as simple as turning from sin and turning to Christ. If you did that today, I, I want to pray that God give you a strong Bible-believing church. I want you to go to KevinWallace.tv, learn how the resources that we have can help you in your journey. Listen, we want to pray for you. Drop us a line on the prayer request. Let us know you gave your heart to Christ, and our team's going to be praying for you this coming week. You're going to get stronger. You're going to grow deeper in your love for God. You're going to become everything He put you on this planet to be. I'm praying for you. I love you. I'll see you next week. God bless you.